0: I can deal with it for an hour, and I'll just shower. I need to shower
1: anyways. So. <laughs> I'll just shower. That's how hot it is. He's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to melt to death. I'll just shower. <laughs> I am definitely going to be sweating by the time this episode is over. You're listening to Dots, Lines, and Destinations, a travel podcast with hosts Stephen Seagraves, Fosma Moon, and Seth Miller. Hello, and welcome to episode 301 of Dots, Lines, and Destinations. I'm Stephen Seagraves, joined by Seth Miller and Fosma Moon. Gentlemen, how are you? Hot. (laughs) Hot. Uh, I'm cool, fortunately. I have air conditioning. I have air conditioning,
0: just not in my office. And even if I did have air conditioning in my office, it would be too loud for Stephen to Well, I think
1: think what you need to do is you need to get one of those, you know, uh, window units. Not a window unit, but like one of the ones that's like an internal. You just like vent to the outside. A split duct system? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Okay. A mini split. Mini split, okay.
0: Yeah. I also live in New Hampshire, where you're not really supposed to need air conditioning, but it was over a hundred here Global warming, man. global warming. Yeah, you joke, but it's real. So I'm not joking. <laughs> no, it's we went. I actually played hooky today and went and sat on the beach instead of working because it was too disgusting outside. Otherwise,
1: yeah, yeah, we've done that a few times here in Portland. Yeah. Is when it gets too hot, you just make a beeline for the beach. Yeah, too too hot in Portland. was like eighty three anything over 79. <laughs> uh no, but we've actually had in the 90s the last couple of days, you know, we're getting up there. So and it was 52 at the coast. That's better. <laughs> uh yeah, so anyway, Let's talk about long distance train travel as some follow up from our last show, which was a live show with video and uh, listeners, if you missed it, you can catch it on YouTube. It's there. If you want just the audio, it's we've uploaded that as that's own podcast. So um, but Seth, you you actually got a tip on Twitter that uh, there's actually a, a company that specializes in long distance train travel.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. Um, You know, from what I can tell, A, it's not all in English, so what I can tell is very little. But uh, they've got a pretty cool Instagram account, and it seems to be a travel agency focused on putting together long-distance train trips. So I know people who have done, like, the Trans-Siberian on their own um, instead of buying the tour and things like that, and there's, you know, a lot of resources online to help with that. But if you want something sort of in the middle or there's a different type of path you want to take, or you want someone to help you pick cities to stop in along the way and the right trains to take between them, uh, it seems like a good option to sort of split the difference between, uh, being a part of a tour group and full DIY
1: mode. Yeah. 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 It does seem like kind of a little overwhelming when you look at some of like the long distance train travel, even in China that you've done, um, to do that on your own or to do that without any kind of help to book, uh, because they, there's not always you know readily available websites and easy places that we're used to as Westerners to to book train travel.
0: Yeah, and even I mean even the Chinese train travel stuff. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of there's man in seat sixty one seat sixty one dot com is great for train stuff. But even there, it's like oh these are the train seats and the two different types for the overnight trains between Shanghai and Beijing. And it took me going out and asking around and doing a lot of digging to find people local who actually knew which trains were running where and when. Mm-hmm. So. Um, to try to get the better seats, uh, which did not work. But
1: so I mean, we'll, but there we'll is so there is so there is a benefit to using a, a, a some kind of yeah. travel agent for some of this stuff. you
0: know, you know I, I just sort of think about like the amount of time and energy we've put into learning things about airplanes and mm-hmm. air travel and airlines, and how most people shouldn't do that because it's a terrible use of one's time. <laughs>
1: Speak for yourself. Seriously. And, and I think most i think
0: most people shouldn't. I think we're stupid and crazy and whatever, and we can, but I think most people shouldn't. Um, otherwise, who would listen to our podcast? There's nothing to do. <laughs> no. Um, but seriously, I think that in a lot of ways, there, there's a lot of good reasons to try the sort of other types of uh, things, if you will. And so getting help isn't a bad thing always.
1: Yeah, make I mean it makes sense. I'm wondering, you know, like when you talk about uh train travel in say, you know, your your trip in in Vietnam. You took yeah. a, a train. It that's a pretty standard trip, right? Like because it's it is one train that just travels the entire length uh from south to north and north to south of Vietnam, right? Was it fairly simple to book? Um I'm trying to remember now how we did it. I think so, but there was I- I think
0: that was one that still required like a third party website because the direct booking wasn't really feasible. Mm. Okay. If I remember correctly, there was there was definitely some quirks to it, um, and I ended up just booking me and Jason together on a single ticket because we wanted to make sure that we actually you know both got seats and everything. Yeah, yeah. So, also, it was a it was a gorgeous views, but a shitty train.
1: You know, I've actually had friends, you know, you guys, I've seen, I've gone back and watched now, I was. I think I've talked about this on the show, uh, I've gone back and watched some episodes of The Amazing Race, some old seasons of it, and there's actually one where they travel by train, on the overnight train in Vietnam, and it doesn't look any different than your pictures, and this was filmed in 2001, so... <laughs>
0: I wouldn't be surprised to learn that these seats are – that they were the same. Um, <laughs> and we're 20 years old then also. Uh, just fewer layers of duct tape holding them together.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, moving on to some aviation news. Uh, the BA British Airways 747s are uh, really dead. Dunzo. Which is just crazy. Are you sad? I, you know, I never flew on BA, so I don't know whether I'm sad or excited. You've never flown British Airways at all. I've I flown British Airways uh, short haul. You're not missing anything. <laughs> I, I I mean, I had, I had heard that the business class seats weren't that great. I had heard coach was pretty brutal. Um, so even I mean, even first is okay.
2: Business is the same thing as the 777s and the seven eights. Hmm. Um, obviously, if you're upstairs, there's a little bit of a bonus, but other than that, nothing really.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, but, I mean, it's... I can't even say that I'm surprised.
1: I mean, how many 747s do they have? Or did they have?
2: They had 28 still active. Okay.
1: I mean, at one point they had hundred,
2: over 100, I think.
0: Mm. Uh, I think active they topped out in the high 50s, but they've owned more than 100. Maybe like, you know, the, the different generations of planes, right? Their first... <laughs> you know it goes back to BOAC which was the one of the precursors to British Airways but they were flying 747 100s sort of some of the first ones off the line mm. 50 year, 48 years i think british airways have been flying 747s and now not anymore well i remember going
2: to the graveyard and there was a lot a ton of 744s mm.
1: and, you know it's actually surprising to me that they never picked up the 748 they took the 380 instead yeah, and and do you do you think they're going to keep the three eighties? I mean, I guess they have to, right? They have a huge fleet of them as well.
0: Um uh, no, they have twelve, if I remember oh, correctly. Oh, really? 10 or twelve? It's a smaller fleet. Yeah. Okay. Um, are they going to keep them? I wouldn't,
2: but a total of sixty-seven four fours.
0: Okay, over the years, yeah. Um,
2: I I wouldn't keep the three eighties,
0: but. I'm also skeptical of demand returning, and we'll talk about this a little later in terms of what the transatlantic market looks like, and that's you know British Airways' biggest sort of focus for transatlantic or for long haul. Mm. They've
2: already they've
0: already stored one of their three eighties. Yeah, they've stored, parked, grounded all of them um, at various levels. But
2: well, eleven are considered parked, and one is considered stored. Yeah, so. We shall see.
1: Wow. Um, I mean, do you guys think the seven four four? I mean, it's kind of an iconic plane. Um, Lufthansa is going to have some seven four fours left. They have seven four eights. Who knows how long the 744s are for the world? Yeah, there's. Uh,
0: a, I mean, there's. I think there are nine airlines that still technically had them in, uh, uh you know published on schedules. Can, I try, and,
1: can I try and name them?
0: Sure. I Let's can't see. promise
1: I'll remember them all. Uh Saudia? Uh That's all I can think of. <laughs> <laughs> really? Uh, I'm trying I'm trying to think Air, not Air France. I'm trying to think of big carriers that have them. Thai? Saudia? Yeah, oh th- Thai is a good one. Um Does Malaysia still have some? I don't believe so. No. Uh Lufthansa, of course, like we said. I don't think anyone in South America has any. Yeah, I can't I can't think of who else would. I thought nope, those were theirs were gone. Nope, they
0: theirs. They're done. They did their last uh, tourist flight. Tonight. Oh, that's They're right. Gone. Uh, they just did- Asi- Asiana, maybe? China Airlines, Air India. Air China has both the 400 and the 8. Roycia in Russia. Uh-huh. Korean uh, has both the 4 and the 8. Uh Lufthansa has the four and the eight Asiana Thai and mahan air mahan not, so air,
1: Saudi-, not- Sa- Saudi doesn't even have any left
0: yeah and wow. um- uh Royal air Moroc used to have one that they used for some local and hodge flights that apparently they no longer have anymore
1: hm. wow so I mean you guys i mean it's the queen of the skies, you guys are gonna miss it as it slowly fades away, and even the seven four eights probably won't stick around for long as passenger planes.
0: Yeah, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when they when Boeing non-announced that they weren't going to start build they weren't going to keep building them after the next couple of years either. And it's just the the remaining cargo contracts that are out there. It is a distinctive sight um which makes it nice to see. I also, you know, and I've had mixed memories of on my flights on, on 747s. on seven four sevens. I've only been on the four hundred. I never got earlier models that I can recall. So that's good news, bad news. But you know, like I got to fly on the KLM combi up in the nose, and that was cool. But it, you know, with like the crazy galley down half the side instead of in the back, it was mm-hmm. you know some weird things like that. But uh, you know, Foz notes that the business class isn't great. I actually had eight flights on BA seven forty seven, never an economy. Uh, I had five in business class, one in first, and two in premium economy. So, none of them were the best by any stretch. Um, but I also, I actually don't mind the BA business class seat, mm. mostly because I was always taking it to or from New York or Boston, and all I needed to do was sleep. And so, like, climb upstairs, go, you know, or yeah, I think it was mostly upstairs, go into my window seat. Close my eyes, wake up in London. Like, it, it, yes, it wasn't a spacious or comfortable seat, but it was a decent bed for
2: me. Yeah. Yeah. So,
1: Foz, how do you feel? Uh,
2: disappointing. Mm. I'm disappointed. Uh, you know, uh, I at least got the one and the two. I never got the three, and I still need the eight. Um,. I mean, I'm curious to what Lefty and Corrine are going to do if they have to make a decision between the 380 and the 748.
1: I think they get rid of the 380.
2: Looking at Lefty, the 380s are a little older than the 748s. And Lufthansa's already indicated it'll have a smaller
0: fleet of 380s if they come back, uh, focus them in Munich. I also... One of the interesting challenges there's sort of capacity questions that have to be answered, and the... Ratio of you know, for total seating, the 380 generally holds a few more uh, in for both airlines, if I remember correctly, compared to the 748. The 74s seven are a higher premium cabin configuration, especially on Lufty. There's a huge business class cabin that they sometimes switch out some of the rows for premium economy, but there's a very uh, heavy premium bias. Which, if we're looking at longer term leisure travel, not business travel. Hard to justify that. Uh, the counterpoint is if it's fewer total seats, if you can't fill uh, the 380 anyways, then neither of them is a smart thing to keep flying.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. And in, in another aviation kind of sad news, uh, Iceland Air was, was on track uh, to <laughs> this fire. Is just like.
0: <laughs> this is aviation bizarro news. More yeah, than they, sad. they were
1: gonna fire all their F- their flight attendants and use the pilots for the safety briefings. That was the plan.
0: They they announced it. Yeah. There was a release that went out saying we have terminated our contract with our flight attendant union. They aren't willing to negotiate with us. We'll find a different union that will. And in the interim, for the couple flights today we still have, we will get pilots to do the safety briefing. <laughs> Which I mean, I admit to being biased and only really understanding, to an extent, U.S. labor law, but firing the union rarely seems like a smart decision. Yeah. <laughs> if
2: we're going to go down, you might as well go down in flames.
1: <laughs> Let's not use that analogy with airlines. <laughs> so so what caused them to back down? Was it backlash from the public? From- they, negotiated,
0: they negotiated with – it turned out that that was a negotiating tactic.
1: No, okay.
0: The uh flight attendants eventually agreed to whatever terms they needed to and they came to, you know, an understanding. So it was a
2: genius move in hindsight.
0: Yeah, which I'm just, I like I said, I, I understand the US side of things like other than Reagan firing all the air traffic controllers, I can't think of an example where
2: Northwest something like that would happen. Northwest on the ground crew. Okay. Northwest fired basically fired all their ground crew when they went on strike and replaced them with non union people.
1: Wow. <laughs> I actually wasn't aware of that. When was that?
2: Uh, in the last twenty years. I mean, not that long ago. Yeah. Yeah. Did it stick, or did they end up? No, it, st- it up? stuck. Huh. As far as I remember.
1: Wow. Yeah, that is big news. Um, I was going to say that, you know, that one of the things I think about when it comes to Iceland is they seem like a pretty laid back society. Um, it, I I was, I was actually surprised to read about all this and, and, and not, um, you know, see like, Oh, it's not a big deal. We'll get through this. Like, I didn't see that in any of the articles. People were just pissed, yeah. <laughs> like in general. <laughs> so, um, just fascinating five. Wow. Wow, I had no idea.
2: Yeah. And so, they yeah, they made those hires permanent. See, occasionally I got something buried back there.
1: <laughs> Foz comes out of nowhere, left field. Random effect. Uh so Saber is uh considering being used for track and trace on everything? I, I don't think so. I mean, maybe we we, we kind of talked about this offline, and we were saying this kind of feels like headline fodder. Um, but at some level, there is some truth to it, right? Like they're they're using saber to track people. Well, but we already have know, the data.
2: But we already know that the GDSs are a target, right? Because you you shared an article, I forget from, from where, like two years ago maybe a year ago on how PNRs are not unique and how they're being mined on a regular basis true right so this is nothing new in the grander scale yeah. uh, i personally think this is just saber trying to boost their stock because they're lagging behind the others
0: you know, i don't want to say it's nothing new i mean one of the and it's it maybe it's not new new but one of the things that came out in this story um is the note that they were willing to respond to requests from the federal government to provide to basically put a you know a flag out for a name, and anytime mm-hmm. new bookings came up, report on that to mm-hmm. the government um, to help track people. So that's
2: a little sketchy. Um, so I, I do have to pose the question: How do you do a string search in the seventies platform?
0: <laughs> I have no idea how they're doing it, but it seems to be something that they. That the government seems to think that they can do and that they've delivered on. So they can't
2: find your luggage,
0: but they can find your name. <laughs> well, <Wow. laughs> to be fair, you don't do baggage tracking in Saber. Uh, uh PSS. Yeah. But what is uh, was it not uh, World Tracer? Does that that's a separate app though,
2: right? A separate yeah. platform. But Saber has a PSS offering. Yeah. Which manages it.
0: Um. Anyways. Uh so part of this is yes like your your bag or your you know people can be tracked this way. What was the story where I thought it went off the rails it sort of like went out and was like, yeah, the government has used this to track individuals from time to time. And so now we know that they could use it to track people for uh COVID tracing if they had to and it's just a matter of time before that happens. And it was like a, like with one of those like wait a second, how do we jump from, you know, from here to there so quickly in mm-hmm. my mind. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Um, which is not to say that they can't or won't, but it doesn't seem as likely to me something the government is quite frankly keen to do.
1: Well, and it doesn't seem like like doesn't seem like the most efficient way. Like, why are you tracking if you're going to track bookings? Like, w- does that mean you're just so terrible at you know tracking entrance to the country or or what? Like, I,
0: I, I think just, part of it is also for domestic tracking.
1: Yeah, yeah, but, right, but even so that's then, not wouldn't CBP we? Anymore? But even then, wouldn't we be better served by, say, Apple's solution, which, you know, Apple and Google's solution, which honors privacy and uses a device that you you carry around on a day-to-day basis? Or the fact that all passenger
0: manifest information is already shipped to DHS?
1: Or, or that, yeah. So uh, you can't uh,
0: guarantee that Pearson got on the plane, but you know they've got the booking and you – like, there's a lot of different ways to skin this cat um, that don't involve – establishing an entire new track and trace platform
2: but i don't know it's this is probably like so many other stocks in the last three months have jumped on speculation that they can help combat um covet like as an example um what is it, express spa the little spa that's just in the the airport yeah they were on the verge of insolvency and they announced they were going to do at airport covet testing and their stock soared yeah, i got a lot <laughs> of traffic from that story So penny stock chat boards
0: picked it up and I got a lot of traffic.
2: Yeah. And so, you know, I think this is partially Sabre just jumping on that bandwagon.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I don't really know that Sabre wants to be in the uh, data uh, market for the government. Like, do they really want to be known as the company that doesn't honor privacy at all Um, or bows to government pressure all the time? I don't know that that's, you know, what they want to do.
2: To be fair, which company doesn't? I mean, Apple's pretty good about refusing to to do that. Really? You know that your iCloud backups aren't encrypted so that they can decrypt them and hand them over to the government? I don't have an iCloud backup. Well, you're the exception. But, I back like, up locally, thank you very much. As do I, but this is like, they, <laughs> Apple is more about marketing privacy and security. They're not really about actually pr- protecting your privacy and security. The fact that they you can't turn Bluetooth off from a discoverable mode, that's a huge flaw, but that's how they track you, right? This is how they're monetizing all your movements throughout the day through OTG and things like that.
1: Well, they're and, not monetizing it.
2: But they're enabling the monetization of it, and they are monetizing it because it's coming back through app market revenue share. True, true.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I get get your point. I mean, I don't know that you know I would put Apple on the worst offenders list of privacy. I didn't Um, say
2: they were the worst, but they're not. They like to play the part of their their they care about your privacy, but they really don't.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um would you say like android just like the android uh <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so a company whose
2: entire business model is selling you <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah uh yeah so anyway i don't i don't know i it, i'm kind of the, the story kind of took me aback just because of the covid piece like you said seth like just i, just, I don't think it's going to happen yeah i guess that's where i come down yeah it just doesn't seem like it's reasonable to use saber especially since saber doesn't track all bookings right So it's not like a central repository for all bookings around the world.
2: No, but it does all bookings for particular airlines, right? So anyone who uses them as a PSS. Yeah. Right in uh, Alaska, uh, American come to mind off the top of my head.
1: Yeah. Wait, Alaska uses Sabre? Yeah. Why is their implementation so bad? What what do you mean? Just like, just the way that they, their pricing model and everything it feels like it's just shit.
2: Saber is Saber is the oldest of all the three GDSs. I'd bet you that some of the original stuff from the '60s is still running in that basement in Tulsa.
1: <laughs> oh man, um, Seth, you had a note in here about pilot furlough potentials. What's the story there?
0: Um, likely to happen, although JetBlue. Neg- it's so we're coming up on Warren notice timing right so this is the we need the companies the airlines have to give notice that they might lay people off uh and it's all going to happen on october 1st when the cares funding runs out blah 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 so JetBlue was the first to announce a deal with its pilots two weeks ago now that they wouldn't have a furlough um and it's presumed that that involves uh lower minimum guarantees but no one gets furloughed so um, more details to come on that. Uh,
1: Delta. When, when, when you say minimum, uh, no minimum guarantees, Sorry, uh, you're flying hours.
0: Yeah. Like- pilots generally in their contract are guaranteed to pay for a certain number of hours, whether they fly it or not. And it's based on what the airline thinks it's going to need over time. Um, and so that number is going to be reduced for six months in exchange for no furloughs. And we'll see where the you know, market is in February. Uh, the Delta or American, Announced its deal with uh, JetBlue last week and, like, also came up to the idea of, hey, look, uh, the American pilots were kind of pissed. They were like, hey, look, JetBlue negotiated no furloughs and you haven't promised us anything like that. And now you're going to outsource all of our short haul flying in New York and Boston to them. Cool. That's awesome. JetBlue Express. uh, American Eagle operated by JetBlue.
1: Hang on, Um, hang on, hang
0: on, hang on, hang on.
1: What, what? Because we recorded our sh- our live show basically the day before the JetBlue news was. Oh, uh, did we not talk about that? At all? We did not talk about it. Uh, uh, oops, <laughs> so my bad. Let's rewind there. <laughs> uh, American Airlines. We didn't talk about that.
0: American Airlines and JetBlue announced a deal where JetBlue will essentially provide domestic feed and code share out of New York and Boston for Americans' international long haul service.
1: Out of out of Philly and DFW. No. or Nope. Unaware. So
2: yeah. New York and Boston. But, but so they've pretty much eradicated the bulk of their JFK operation. Are they gonna ramp that back up now? Who? AA.
0: They announced two new routes, uh Athens and Tel Aviv. And they're resuming Rio.
2: As a seasonal, as opposed to year round, which it used to be.
0: Uh but uh, it's going daily.
2: But I, they, I thought yeah. they, they've they exited Madrid, and it was daily before, too. Yeah. Um, they used to have twice a day to Sao Paulo, which I think is just once a day. Uh, M- Madrid, Barcelona, uh, Milan, I thought it all went away.
0: There's, I mean, well, pre-February or since?
2: Uh, Pre. They were slated to go away.
0: Yeah, I, it's too hard to keep track in my mind of what's... Uh, Actually going to come back at this point, but uh, just everything keeps shifting and keep changing too much to bet too much to you know to bet a ton on that. But they did announce those couple route Also, that like how much of it is going to be American uh, is going to be JetBlue feeding American versus its other partners. Um, you know that, that no one's talking about details in the contract about things like is it a. I've heard discussion that it's not just a standard uh, code share and interline agreement, but there might be some preferred, prorated uh, accounting for some of those interline passengers. So, you know, JetBlue uh, will receive certain bonuses for putting passengers through, so to speak.
2: But even if we look at One World as a whole, at a JFK, would we have Heathrow, Helsinki, Santiago? Hong Kong.
0: It's not to all of One World, it's just to American, and they're not part of the Transatlantic JV. There's a whole lot of weird shit involved in this
2: deal. But, but, but that's what I don't understand. Why? How does this even make sense, right? The main destination they serve at JFK internationally is Heathrow, which yeah. BA flies, and AA flies out of Boston.
0: Right. No, it's at JFK and LaGuardia and at Boston, JetBlue is going to feed those flights. The Interesting challenge is going to be that it's JetBlue is still planning on launching its own London service, so it's not going to want to feed the main routes that are internationally available. Um, now the, the whole thing is uh, bizarre. I, I just don't
2: get it. Um, yeah, and this is their second attempt to try to do something like this.
1: And, and and all this is kind of on the heels of kind of abandoning LAX as a as a hub as an reducing. international hub. Yeah, reduce. reducing,
0: reducing, um, and letting. Alaska Airlines backfill capacity and feed there and to an extent. And Alaska Airlines announced that it's going to expand as Jet... Also, did we talk about JetBlue moving its Long Beach service to LAX? Maybe, uh, talk,
1: we kind of touched on it,
0: but I don't think yeah. we covered it in depth. Eh, there's, not a lot to, there's not a lot of depth to it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There's just the whole deal with American right now sort of trying to sort of retrench itself but using partners for feed... Understandably, upsets pilots who you know need that local need those flights for their own livelihood, and so the fact that this JetBlue deal came out the same and at the same time, I think came out the same day that the warn notices went out um, for Americans pilots, saying that a couple thousand of you might get laid off. Uh, awkward.
1: Very awkward. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh... So, what about what about you know you you were kind of touching on some of the I I go,
0: yeah, I was going through, yeah I was, yeah, and thank you because I thought we had talked about that, but we're going through the list of airlines, and so uh Delta is in discussions, and there's sort of some interesting back and forth where Delta's basically pushing the pilots towards agreeing to broader cuts than they sort of wanted and uh, across the board similar reductions rather than special incentive lines where certain pilots would be allowed to take you know, it's basically that Delta wants to cut everybody 15% and letting some take instead of letting some take a 30% cut mm-hmm. it's the short short version um, but then today Alaska Airlines announced that it will uh, handle it's managed to get enough voluntary departures that it doesn't think it's going to need layoffs for its pilots so that's vaguely good news I mean there's still a lot of people who aren't working but
1: it's, um, it's good that there's no mandatory uh, invol, involuntary uh, layoffs. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: So that's the the latest on that. Uh, United also intends to have some layoffs. I forget the numbers, but there's a lot.
1: Yeah. Oh boy, not not good times. Not uh, not kind of news we like to report on. Really. Um, Sign of the times. Yep. Uh, there's a there's a post on headforpoints.com uh the London City Airport CEO um he he kind of talks about uh, new lounges coming to London City. Uh, Which who would who would have thought an
0: airline an airport so heavily focused on business travelers would get by without having the main or not the main but one of the primary business traveler amenities. But <laughs> <with it. laughs>
1: well, where are they going to
0: put the lounge?
1: Out on the out on the runway.
0: <laughs> I would take I it. Maybe the water. <laughs> I think they were extending the terminal
2: building. Okay. A little bit. I've it's, flown through City a few times.
1: There's no extra space. <laughs> well, I mean, you constantly feel like you're sitting in a closet everywhere you go. Standing in a closet, waiting in a closet. <laughs>
0: I always loved that there was a priority pass kiosk. <laughs> <laughs> like, in the middle of the terminal. By I I buy a sunglasses shop or something like, hey, sign up for a priority pass here and get access to lounges around the world, you know, except here.
2: <laughs> uh, uh, it, there's a it, Tumi store too. A little Tumi kiosk.
1: Yeah. Well, maybe that's where they're going to put it. They're going to get rid of the Tumi store and put a lounge.
2: Oh, great. Lounge uh, capacity four. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, two if you want to have a little buffet in the corner, but... <laughs>
1: Uh It it has always struck me as one of the worst, best airports <laughs> ever. <laughs> it's a great airport as long as you don't have to wait.
2: Yeah. yeah. Like so many other air- small airports, right? They're great if you can time it where you arrive, you go to your plane, and off you go.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. There's always a little bit of uncertainty in the security lanes. But other than that, yes, I, I found it pleasant and easy and fun. I like to walk across the street from the di- – uh, the last time I flew out of there, if I remember correctly, I actually stayed in like the Moxie Hotel, which is sort of across the water, and walked around.
1: Oh, so you walked over the bridge?
0: Yeah, I walked over the bridge and did some plane spotting, and it was pretty cool.
1: That's what. That's where they're gonna put the lounge <laughs> across over by <laughs> At the, the hotel. Moxie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, sir, your your flight will be boarding soon. You should probably uh, head across now. <laughs> well, there's there
0: the other interesting thing about there is the uh, sort of private terminal there used to be the lounge option. Like oh, you really? wanted something resembling a lounge, there was a couple hundred bucks, but you could have a private terminal, sort of,
2: sort of like the LAX suites or anything like that, or that sort of situation. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, fascinating.
2: Yeah, because when BA was running a flight out of there, right, they, there was no lounge. They just took one of the gate areas and they had comfy chairs and food for everybody.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's actually they. If you actually look at Google Maps right now on the satellite view, you can see the new taxiway progress. Nice. Which is kind of cool. Um, what else do we got? We have United and Delta earnings. I'm scared to ask. Billions and billions. Ugh. How bad was United's? Just two point something?
0: 1.6 billion net loss, 2.6 billion adjusted net loss. And I'm not entirely sure what the difference is, but
2: one of them's bigger than the other. And a billion of that was tagged to lack of Portland flights.
1: <laughs> I highly doubt that. <laughs> um, wow. That's pretty, I mean, did they have any outlook on what the future holds?
0: Bad, bad things. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say just bad <laughs> answer. Hazy try again. Uh, they, there's some interesting stats, um, mentioned in it. Let me scroll back up and see if I can pull some of them out pretty quickly. Um, load factors uh they were pulling i want to say 35 ish uh here we go uh seat factor which includes non-rev was 38 percent in may and 57.8 percent in june hmm. um they doubled the number of flights from june to july and expect to expand again in august which is sort of hard to believe given that the mark that you know, passenger numbers are actually decreasing now, um, but with an expectation of load factor around forty-five percent for the month of July, and That's- only only fifteen percent of flights have seventy percent of seats are more filled. But of course, those are the ones that go viral on maybe a bad term to use go viral on Twitter and Instagram and such
1: because
0: hmm. people take pictures of their packed planes.
1: I mean, I, I've kind of posted on Twitter that most of the flights out of PDX on United are going out fairly full, um, and I'm guessing it's because there's so little, there's so few flights a day um, that you just got to take one of the options via Chicago, San Francisco, or um, uh, Denver. That's it. I mean, those are that's it. That's all you got. So, wow, that's wild. Um, what about Delta?
0: Um, also bad. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm pulling up the document again now. I uh, shouldn't have the tab open, but it's uh, okay. d- 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 scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Uh, adjusted pre-tax loss of 3.9
1: billion. Uh, wow. Uh, yeah. Wow. And if they said, uh, do they have any kind of outlook, or is it more of a we're we're just gonna have to deal with this for the near term? I mean, they they seem kind of optimistic I, from what I was reading. Wait a minute, 3.9 versus
0: 2.6. That What did they write off? Fleet related would be my guess. That's a lot of fleet
2: write offs on antique planes.
0: Delta wrote off, the. they announced retirement of all the MD 88s, all the MD 90s, the 777 and 737 700s, as well as like 10 and like 7763 ERs and 10 A320s or vice versa. It's, um
2: so I, I'm sure there's some other stuff in there too, but, uh, yeah. 18 triple sevens. Anderson said they're worth 10 million a piece. One, a hundred hundred 80 million. You're good at math. <laughs> and I can't imagine that the MDs and the six threes. I, I pops- don't know what else, where
0: else the money is going. Um, the, all of this and like, who's burning, how much cash and everything that the numbers are crazy. Uh, I don't know. I, I Part of me is like, eh, I kind of just want to, like, wait until they come out the other end and not think about it too much because it always worries me. But
1: wow. there's a lot. Yeah, no kidding. So, does Yay. Does Delta, I mean, just based on Anderson, uh, just some of the things I've heard said, Do do you think that they're going to come out? of this uh, the same or are they going to have to really undergo some cuts such as maybe reducing hubs abandoning Seattle
2: so actually I just realized where their loss came from it was from the international investments oh they did take that right down. Yeah, yeah. That's the, there's two billion there. so, yeah. Right? Yeah, or cause of, yeah. Because they they invested very heavily in Aeromexico, Virgin, and Latam, and they had to take losses on all of them. Yeah, we did talk about that. So, I personally think Delta is the most at risk of not coming out in in a good situation out of all of this. Worse than American? I think it'll be worse than American.
1: And what's your reasoning? Just because there's so there's so much money outstanding, or what?
2: Well, the you know the fundamental reason is hubris is a bad thing, and they've had a lot of hubris over the last decade. And We're never going to gonna lose money again. Yeah, I, I understand that, but, Del- <laughs> but Delta has had even more hubris than American with the you know uh, claiming to be the leader in everything. But but more importantly, like the they made really bad investments in these international carriers. They abandoned their um, to some extent their alliance. Um, and they they they've been charging a premium, so people now view them as an expensive airline. Hmm. And when money gets tight, people tend to be it's it's the same thing as Southwest, right? People always when they want a cheap flight, they always go to Southwest, thinking it's going to be
1: cheap, and they don't think twice. Mm. And so you and, think they you think you think Delta's said, "Hey, we're the premium carrier, uh, the upscale."
2: And their fare showed it they were never nearly as aggressive with corporate uh, corporate agreements, so they had less security from that so While there's no corporate travel right now, there's still some commitment, guarantees and commitments that have happened, whether or not they you know we'll see how they get negotiated but that's really the bread and butter of rebuilding your business right charging a premium for your product uh particularly in the pointy end of the cabin, not having corporate agreements uh sustaining that in the long run it's not, it it works against you
1: mm. Yeah. Uh, some good thoughts. Seth, any any rebuttal?
0: I think they're all screwed. I don't know. I, I actually – I'm really intrigued and we talked about this a lot last week too about Americans' push to just grow its way out of this sort of mess. And I understand the concept. I think that there's some good opportunities to do that in s- segments of the market. But I- – I'm not convinced that there's a first mover advantage, so to speak, in terms of recap of capturing market share, if that market share is the dregs of you know, of yield and not really the money that you need to you know justify the operations. Mm. But if you really can be profitable at nine percent load factors, well knock yourself out.
1: Yeah. So Yeah. Okay.
0: Um lots more earnings this week and next it's tis the season
1: yeah <laughs> i'm sure next week will be just a, a bundle of sunshine uh united lufthansa group american and iag are trying to get uh, a transatlantic bubble established what the, what is this so
2: my first question is why wasn't sky team involved presumably they were asked and declined
1: but that's a very good question First, you got to explain what this is. What's the bubble? Chief executives,
0: Willie Walsh, Doug Parker, Carson Spohr, and Scott Kirby sent a letter to uh, Mike Pence in – I don't know how to say her name. Is that an L? Y-L-V-A? Ylva Johansson? Uh, who is the European Commissioner for Home Affairs and obviously the Vice President, uh, because he's leading the COVID response team, asking that... uh, Request the safe and swift restoration of air travel between the United States and Europe. We urge you to consider adopting a joint U.S.-EU COVID-19 testing program to enhance safety and build confidence in critical transatlantic passenger air services. The gist of it is they want uh, the governments to agree that... Passengers can be tested before departure, and if they are uh, a negative result, they can board flights. And that would allow a resumption of legit passenger service that doesn't require 14 day quarantines and would get rid of the current uh, Schengen zone saying, nah, you can't come here, bit hmm. to Americans. And right now, the US still has the limit on Europeans only being allowed to arrive through designated airports. And oh, our only Europe. Flights from Europe only being allowed to arrive at designated airports and only for U.S. citizens, if I if I'm remembering it correctly. So mm. or, or permanent residents, I guess. But yeah, the the bizarre part to me is that Europe seems to actually have mostly contained its uh, virus challenges, and the U.S. is nowhere fucking close. And so the idea that oh well, you can get tested and if you're negative, it's cool. Yeah, like. Given that turnaround time on tests right now is, I mean, like a, two weeks, but three or four days, what you, you know? You have no guarantee of what happens in the intervening time. Does the you know do I get tested, then go out on a you know partying all weekend at the bars and then hop on a plane? Like, and my, but my test was negative. There's there's a lot of weird challenges because the testing process isn't very good. Maybe this is an opportunity to use those express spa uh, clinics. <laughs> but uh, I don't think that we're going to have real it, The test. The, the turnaround time takes on um, testing is just too long because we don't have The infrastructure in place I the, I understand where they're coming from In wanting to establish a way to Say okay you people are clean You can go but like What a, a logistical Cluster I already used F once so we only get one per PG-13 rating sorry
1: well, and and you know, I've seen, you know, Europeans are traveling pretty readily around Europe. Yeah. Now, um borders are pretty much open and you know, things like that. So, for Europeans to come over, yeah, that's that's great, but they right now can't uh based on what you assume as well as I do, Seth, that that the borders are technically still closed for them. Um so I don't I mean how far is this looking out? Are we looking out six months, or is this bubble for the next year? What, what is the the out like? What's the 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 length of uh, this this uh, agreement or plan?
0: TBD. They they offer no specifics.
1: Interesting. Okay.
0: Or no, certainly not in the version of the letter that's public. Um, the, the whole thing is stupid in my mind because and. and This again goes back to, and I've bitched on Twitter about U.S. Travel, uh, which is the trade organization, trying to, like, they're now lobbying for uh, funding from Congress, which I get it, the businesses are all struggling, they need the money, but also, like, as part of that, maybe put an opportunity to, um, you know, push the government towards a more coherent plan and response with contact tracing or contact, yeah, contact tracing and testing and the things that actually need to happen. Not just, we need money to keep things funded, like fixing it, fixing the problem. will solve fixing the, uh, containing the problem. will solve a lot of these problems, but we've done a terrible job of that.
2: There has to be some, uh, there's something's going on, right? There's uh, United in the last few weeks restart of restarted flight C, uh, Paris and Amsterdam from Newark and there's passengers on it like you pull out the seat map for Amsterdam tonight and Paris tomorrow, a bunch of seats are taken so there has to be some restrictions that were lifted, because where else would these people be going? Onward connections?
0: Probably not know those airports yeah. I don't US doesn't have, United doesn't really have much there,
2: I don't know Yeah and it's, it wouldn't be cargo because all the cargo flights are running with four-digit flight numbers. Because things like Milan and Rome right now are uh, cargo.
1: Hmm. That's a good question for us. I mean, I don't. I don't really know where. I don't. I mean, no, there's nothing been published that says, "Oh, these restrictions have been lifted."
0: That I and, and they I haven't. They haven't been. Yeah. Um. I mean, maybe more people are saying, "Oh, yeah, I'll go quarantine." When I got there, I don't I, I honestly
2: don't know. But
1: hey, do you know how do you know how well Europe is enforcing the quarantine rules? Or are they?
2: I think it varies country by country. Hmm. Some are doing a better job than others.
1: Gotcha. Wow. Oh boy. Um I think we have a couple more topics, or is that it? I think that might be it. That's it. Yeah. Um Just wanted to say a quick uh, thank you to our new patrons, Alex, Brian, Kyle, Sam. Thanks for joining, supporting the show. Thanks to all our Patreon supporters. uh, And thanks to all the listeners, really. If you want to uh, support the show, you can uh, join us on Patreon. Uh, It's a small monthly donation. Or you can follow us on Twitter at DotsLines, moredotsmorelines.com. Until next time, happy travels. Take care. See you later.